When you enrich the lives of your employees through purpose-powered leadership, they'll grow your business for you. Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where you'll discover how to champion a culture of courage and love. Stop dealing with symptoms and get to the root of the problems in your business. This is the Higher Purpose Podcast with your host, Kevin Monroe. Welcome to another installment of the Higher Purpose Podcast. We're continuing our Profiles of Purpose in Business series. If you've missed any of these episodes, do yourself a favor and go back and listen. I had a hunch this series was going to be phenomenal, but between you and me, I had no idea just how amazingly rich these conversations would be. And today's conversation is no exception. Like many of you, I was inspired and influenced by the legendary Zig Ziglar. However, I never had the opportunity to meet Zig in person. As I was preparing for today's episode, I realized the influence of Zig Ziglar was greater than I had imagined. The seeds of so many thoughts and ideas that I think today were sown into my life by Zig over the past 30 years. And as you may know, Ziegler Family is a great friend of this podcast. And Mark Tim, who leads Ziegler Family, was the very first guest interviewed on the Higher Purpose podcast. Well, today's going to be another exceptional episode as we sit down and talk with Tom Ziegler. Tom's the proud son of Zig Ziegler and the person now leading the international efforts of Ziegler. In case you don't know it, Ziegler is in business on purpose, and we're going to have fun exploring what that means to Tom and the Ziegler team. Now, here's something a bit funny. I didn't connect with Tom through Mark, Tim, or or my friends at Ziegler family. Actually, it was Devin Marks, who's a great personal friend and an amazing friend and supporter of this podcast, who introduced me to Tom, and he said, if you're showcasing leaders who are in business on purpose, you really want to include Tom Ziegler. So thanks, Devin, for the introduction, and thank you, Tom, for joining us today. So welcome, Tom Ziegler. What's something you'd like us to know about you that might not always make it into your formal introductions? Oh, wow. What a great way to start, Kevin. Uh, I tell you, you know, I like quiet time. Ah. I just like to chill and read and relax and think. Uh, That's where I get my energy. So, uh, you know, maybe you could, you could figure it out because I always talk about having the perfect start in the day. Uh, but I just, I love that time. My two chairs time in the morning is precious. Uh, but really, anytime I've been going too hard, too long, I just need some solitude. All right. So that tells me that you're a bit of an introvert. Yes, I am. Which is kind of weird, which is kind of weird going around speaking and training. Well, it is, but what people, what I, what I see people don't realize, Tom, is, hey, maybe it's an ambivert. That's how I'd really classify myself. I can draw energy from the crowd, but after a couple of days, I've got to get that time alone again, or I'm really getting weak. So I'm, with you. I'm with you on that, and, and uh, my, for all the people who are just like me, kind of nerds about profiles and everything, my profile, the disc profile is I'm an S, uh, okay. and so... That means I'm relational, and uh, I don't like to hurt anybody's feelings. And when I'm under pressure, I don't make any decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, at this point in time, well, well, let me ask, what does make it into your formal introduction? So, we talked about this, this 
that you're this quiet, reserved person that loves reading in quiet time. But what makes it into the formal introduction? What is your claim to fame, Tom Ziegler? I tell you, I, I love what I do. My, my mission in life um, and kind of what I gauge how well I'm doing is, is this, is that anybody who, who I come in touch with, uh, whether it's in front of the room or one-on-one or any circumstance, my goal is to create the environment that would allow that person to become the person God created them to become. And so that's, that's like this pretty high standard of, man, you've got to always, uh, you know, it's not that you, you can't be quiet or an introvert. It's just that whenever you're engaging with somebody, you've got to be being part of their solution, not part of their problem. Mm, mm. And how long have you had that understanding of your purpose? Uh, it's, you know, it kind of grows and changes, um, and, and change is probably not the right word. It probably becomes deeper and fuller with longer roots and, and kind of grows because, you know, um, you know, for my spiritual purpose was to have a, a, a vibrant relationship or is to have a vibrant relationship with God and to share his truth with love. I mean, that's, I mean, what else is there to have that relationship with the creator and then to share his truth with love? That was dad's secret is he'd get on stage and he'd just share God's truth with love and kind of, you know, everybody loved him for that. Too many people get on stage and they, they share the truth with like a hammer mm. and mm. there's a difference, right? It's Boy, not that you, difference. you don't shy away from the truth, but it's how you deliver it. Gosh, because, you know, we really want people to have, we want people to want what we have. Right. We don't, we don't like to take shots at, you know, the way they're doing it, which is different than the way we're doing it. We want them to say, whoa, I want to try it like he's trying it. So, so Tom, do you mind sharing a bit about the journey you've traveled to find your path to purpose? Sure. I, boy, I, in college, I played college golf, and my goal was to get out of college and be a professional golfer. Um, and... I traveled the country and played in a lot of tournaments and I got really good, uh, but not as good as the guys on tour making a living at it. And so I, I supported my golf habit by working at the company in the warehouse and in production and then got married during this time and moved into sales while I was playing golf. And then I fell in love with sales and had a, a little back injury at the same time. Mm, mm. And, and so, uh, it was kind of interesting because I always wondered would I regret not playing golf uh, and because I'd given it everything I had and found something else I love, I've never looked back and thought, man, I regret that. So, so that's good. Well, and then, okay. Wait a minute, Tom. There is a rich nugget right there. We've got to park here a moment. What is the key to not regretting something? I really believe uh, it's given it everything you got first and then just being aware of the open doors that come along because, you know, what I was aspiring to, to become, you know, who knows if I could have done it? Who knows if I'd given another 10 years if, if I had the physical, you know, the whole package talent-wise. I mean, I can tell you today, uh, the athletes that are on tour and, the, and everything else, I mean, it's, it's like a, a different game than it was, mm. you know, 35 years ago when I was going after it. Um, it's just a different game. But number one is you just give it everything you've got. And number two, uh, you got to confirm the doors that you're walking through. 
you know, do you have a gift or a talent for? Is it something you enjoy? Is it solving a problem for somebody? I mean, all those things that you, you do. So I was able just to never look back and go, wow, That's you good. know, I should I should have should have stuck there. Uh, and then I figured out what we did as a business, you know, because when you come into, you know, the Zig Ziglar Corporation and dad speaking all over and, and all this, I was probably 27, 28 at this time, and we were doing a big Amway event. And it was 30,000 people. And they let everybody out for, for dinner, and then we went in and set up in this, you know, this arena, this huge arena. Um, and dad was the surprise speaker. Mm. So nobody knew he was coming. So we set up all these product tables and we put tablecloths over the product. So when they opened the doors up, people wouldn't see who it was. Well, they opened the doors up and this guy goes running by and he looks over at the table and there's a, the tablecloth is up and he sees a picture of dad and he looks at me and he goes, is Zig Ziglar speaking? And I said, you know, I kind of gave him the shh sign and, uh, he comes over and he says, I won't tell anybody. He goes, is he going to autograph books? And I said, yeah, he's autographing books. He goes, well, where's the line going to be? <laughs> and I go, well, it's going to be down there, but it's seven o'clock right now. He's not going to speak until scheduled 12, which means it's going to be one o'clock in the morning. Nobody's even going to know there's a line until after midnight. And this guy goes, I don't care. And he goes and gets a line. Wow. So five hours before the line is even a line, he's in line. And so I'm like, this isn't going to last. Well, an hour, hour and a half later, he's still over there standing. You know, the whole room, 30,000 people are sitting. He's standing in the back. Wow. So I go over, what's your story? And in broken English, I found out he was from Central America. He said, mm. he said I moved to the United States for my dream, a better life. And I moved to Chicago mm. with, to live with my brother. And after about a month, I said to my brother, I need to learn English. And so he said, my brother gave me the book, See You at the Top. And he said, take this book, See You at the Top, translate it from English into Spanish. And in that process, not only will you learn English, but it will change your life. And then the guy starts crying. And he talked about how he wow. was an alcoholic and his marriage was almost over. And now he's living the American dream and his marriage is strong and his whole family is here in the States. And and that's when I realized, that's when it hit me. Wait a second. What we do is a little different. It's not books and tapes and CDs. It's life-changing content. Wow. Uh, mm. He wanted to learn English, but he got his life, you know, his life was changed. And so, uh, so that was that journey. So I figured out what we did, and I moved into being the president uh, and CEO. And, of course, we had the greatest speakers in the world. Uh, and I love supporting them. And then about eight years ago, I started speaking. So that was another big transition. Okay. Now, did you ever uh, see yourself being up on the stage, traveling the world, inspiring people, Tom? Was no. That ever no, no way. Um, the reluctant speaker or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, because we had the best in the world. I mean, who's – I didn't feel like that was like – you know, I never had the itch to get up there. I like supporting. Uh-huh. And – but then I got up there and I spoke a few times and I kind of liked it. And, <laughs> but I still had this huge anxiety. I don't know if anxiety is the right word, but I had all this pressure and I was, so this was like the next turning point. And I said, why do I feel that way? And what I realized was, is I was, 
I thought people wanted me to be like my dad on mm. stage. Mm. And then I realized, wait a second, he never did that. This is what dad told us as, as, as kids. He said, do whatever you want in life. Just do it with 100% integrity and 100% effort. Mm. That's freedom, right? That's yeah. not um, be in sales, be a speaker, you know, none of that. It was what we wanted to do. And so then I realized, wait a second, no, the, the people in the room, mm. they want to see the best Tom Ziegler that's available. Yeah. And really, isn't that awesome? Because that's really our everybody who's listening. That's our role is to become the person God created us to become, to be yeah. the best, right? I mean, that's really okay. I want to go deeper on this, Tom. This was, folks, this is not scripted at all, but I want to go deeper with this because uh, not just for me, but I believe this is a challenge so many of us have. And I think you were in a really unique position to have that challenge. There you are, Zig Ziglar's son, assuming the reins of Zig's company. And there are a lot of people that were maybe even unknowingly comparing you to Zig or, or feeling tempted to compare you to Zig. And this whole idea, I am, I am a horrible anyone else on the planet, but I'm the best me there is on the planet, right? So how did you, what, what was the breakthrough for that? And, and was that a struggle for you or, or how he, or, or had it been the roots from your childhood of just being you? Well, I really, you know, you, you have to, before you can change something, you've got to identify the need to change it. Mm -hmm. And so when I had to sit down with myself and I sit down with myself occasionally <laughs> and I sat down with myself and I said, why am I feeling all this pressure? And then I realized, wait a second, I'm trying to, you know, I think they want me to be like that. So, mm. so I'm one of my friends. He said, Tom, you're, he said, you're an intellectual engineer. And I kind of like that term, so I, I kept it. I'm an intellectual engineer. And then I Googled it. And when you Google intellectual engineer, there's an acronym. It's N-E-R-D. <laughs> so I'm kind of a nerd, right? And so I just I just run with that when I speak. I don't have any problem at all saying, you know, this is kind of the style that I come from and who I am, and it's different. Hmm. Uh, but it's the way I was created. So my job is to be the best of that I can be, right? Yeah, yeah. So what's your favorite way of introducing the Zig Ziglar company and the work you do? Oh, I like the little line that says, uh, we're in the transportation business. We help you get from where you are to where you want to go. All right. I love so that. that. That's what we do. And I, you know, we do that in a lot of ways. We, we've got life-changing, transformational programs that help you grow as an individual. And it really, it, it really covers the gamut of, of, of mindset, strategy, and action. Uh, and I do, you know, the speaking and the coaching and writing books. And then we equip others to go and do the, the same thing. Uh, my, when, I, when we do a program, like we just had a big conference or we'll do events, and I'll tell the people in the room, I'll say, you know, if you send me an email and say that you set a goal and achieved it, man, I'll send you an email high five. But if you send me an email and say that you took what we just taught you home and you taught it to somebody else and it changes their life, then we'll all do the Snoopy dance together because <laughs> that's really what we're about here. We're about legacy. Yeah. And yeah. legacy, you know, my legacy 
I've got a couple of definitions. Legacy is a transference of habit. I heard you say that, Tom. That is a beautiful definition. Unpack that for us. Sure. So in the book, Secrets of Closing the Sale, uh, Dad wrote that selling is a transference of feeling. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to sell you on something, I've got to I've got man, I've got to have that feeling like I'm all in. I own it, right? This is the best thing ever. And so, if I can transfer you that feeling, then you're probably going to want it too. So, legacy is a transference of habit, and you know, I, I have this uh, you know, character. Um, does character come first, or does habit come first? Hmm. You know, a two-year-old. Um, when you teach them how to share, you have to teach them because they don't know how to share, right? So you've got to inform them on the benefit of sharing. And so, you know, I think character is a reflection of habit. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, they feed each other. And so legacy is a transference of habit. So what does that mean? It means that if I'm going to – Mark Batterson, I think he said that an inheritance is what you leave to someone and a legacy is what you leave in someone. Hmm. Good definition. So I love that definition. So when we transfer the habit, habit is simply a series of small choices made on a consistent basis, small good choices. That's a good habit. And in, in the book that I'm writing, it's called Choose to Win. The subtitle is Transform Your Life One Small Choice at a Time. Mm. And there's a key quote that I have that's, uh, the fastest way to success is to replace bad habits with good habits. And so what we need, when we transfer a legacy, what we're really teaching those we love. And by the way, I don't limit legacy to your blood relatives. <laughs> right. I, everywhere I speak in the world, I adopt everybody in the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I want to save that. For just a moment, I want to go deeper in that, but but I want to ask you a couple of questions because I've heard you talk about this and something you saw in your dad, but is there something specific uh, you do and the folks at Ziegler do because of your commitment to live, love, and see, lead with purpose? Hmm. Something specific. Well, I, I think probably the thing that sets us apart today uh, in our culture and in society is we don't shy away from the whole person. Mm. Um, you know, we are physical, mental, and spiritual. In our wheel of life, which is, you know, we call it the seven areas of life, the mental, the spiritual, the physical, the family, the financial, the personal, and the career. We don't have any problem talking about faith, mm -hmm. right, and the spiritual side. Um when you have a relationship with someone, um, it's spiritual. And the challenge is, is, is if, if we are going to do business together or have a relationship together, we've got to have, we've got to have a standard that we aspire to and believe in. Otherwise I might think something's right and you might think something's right. And we're on totally different pages. Hmm. So, you know, one of our, one of our, my good friends, Christian, um, uh, he was sitting on a plane and and he had his Bible out. And Chris is from India, so he's sitting there on his plane. He's got his Bible out, and this guy sits next to him and looks at him and says, "You're not one of those Christians, are you?" 
And Chris looks at him and says, well, I don't know what you mean by one of those Christians, but yeah, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. So the guy was silent for a few minutes, and then he came back, and he said, well, I just want you to know that I'm an attorney, and I don't believe in any absolutes. <laughs> and Chris looked at him and said, are you absolutely sure? <laughs> and so we do believe in absolutes, right? Yeah. We, we do believe in truth and absolutes. And, and um, we have a, a way of sharing that with people that it makes sense. Thanks for sharing that. The, the other little story I heard you tell was about your dad's commitment that you saw years ago of always preparing, even if it was a talk he had delivered before, right? He never delivered the same talk twice because it was never to the same audience, right? And and it was the the commitment to prepare for this audience, these people. Say more about that. Yeah, so every talk that dad ever gave, um, he prepared at least three hours for And 95% of the talk would be very, very similar to most of the talks that he gave. There was always something unique or different or how it was arranged. or You know, there could be new stories in it, but it was the same talk. And I asked him, I said, Dad, why, do you, why are you doing that? He called it uh, persistent consistency. Consistency means that when there's a worthy goal or objective, you work on it every day or as often as necessary. And persistency means you always take it up a notch, mm-hmm. right? You always try to add something new or different or better, or go more. And he said, well, there's really uh, two reasons why I do it. He said, number one is it'll be the, f- for some people in the room, it'll be the first time they've ever heard me. And so I've got to be the best I've ever been. I have one chance to make that impression. Maybe that'll change their life. And he said, for everybody else, Maybe I can communicate just a simple truth in a way that they'll take it home and try it. Wow. And if they if they take it home and try it and it works, then they're going to say, well, "I wonder what else he said that works," and they'll try that and they'll try that. And so this is really the path when you when you share truth with people and they start to buy into it, they start to try it, and they start to get the feedback and the results with, on these truths. Then before you know it, they're asking, you know, who who's the author of truth? Hmm. Where do these truths come from? How do you know this works? So. Well, and one thing I loved about your dad that continues through Ziegler today is this whole idea of just doing ordinary things with such extraordinary care and focus that they become extraordinary. Well, what's something you see working with that? How that, op- how that uh, manifests through the work you do regularly? Transforming the ordinary. <laughs> well, when I get back to the idea of transform your life one small choice at a time, it's ordinary to make a choice. Yeah. Right. It's it's a little bit extraordinary to make an intentional choice. Hmm. And it's extremely extraordinary to make a series of of right, good choices on a regular basis. Mm. And that's how we build our life. I mean, here's the, here's the thing. I, I ask people, I say, hey, we're all going to leave a legacy. That's this, It's a given. We're all leaving a legacy. So the question is, 
Is it by design or by chance? Right. And so literally, if we can, if we can have a, uh, a decision to, to intentionally do it, I, I heard on one on our Ziegler show podcast, one of our speakers, uh, he was talking, or one of our guests was talking about essentialism. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he had this great line. He said, I had two grandfathers. One of them left me everything and one of them left me nothing. And then he explained that when he was young, he moved away. He didn't know either one of his grandfathers. So his first grandfather died. He goes to the funeral, and he's sitting there. He knows nobody in the room. And he realizes that all of his grandfather's memories are stored in these other people. Mm. And his grandfather really didn't leave him anything. Mm. The second funeral he goes to, he was given his grandfather's diary. And his grandfather, for 50 years, had written one line one sentence a day for 50 years. Wow. And he said, that grandfather left me everything. Mm. And so that's a small intentional choice. Mm. Mm. And that's extraordinary. It really is. It really is. Well, speaking of transforming the ordinary, I've got something that I hope excites you, the listener, as much as it does me. So give it a listen And we'll be right back to continue this conversation with Tom. Do you ever think that your work could be a little less ordinary? There's not much in between you and something extraordinary. Just 13 weeks and a bold experiment. Find out more at kevindmonroe.com slash extraordinary to get ready to take your team, your leadership, or your customers to the next level. That's kevindmonroe.com slash extraordinary. I'd love to chat with you about bringing the Extraordinary Challenge to your company. Now, let's continue this conversation with Tom Ziegler of Ziegler, Inc. Tom, now, legacy. We were talking about legacy just before the break, and I heard you talk about a very unique legacy that that your dad left you, that you wear one of every time you speak. Let's talk about that legacy. That, that Man, that just touched me when I heard you share that. You bet. So I just started speaking and dad was no longer able to travel and speak. And so I'm over at mom and dad's. Now this is about a year and a half before he passed away. And we're sitting there talking and and, uh, mom says, uh, uh, she looks at me and says, son, your dad and I have something for you. And so she goes into the bedroom and she comes out and she's got this long, narrow box and she hands it to me and I open it up and it's all of dad's ties. And she said, every time you speak, we want you to wear one of dad's ties. And so that's what I do every time I go and speak. And, and it's funny because uh, at the last conference, uh, this actually happened just a few days ago. One of the speakers there had developed a friendship, a relationship with dad. And he showed a picture of dad from probably 25 years ago. They were together. And dad had this tie on. And the person sitting next to me said, oh, look, look at your dad's tie. That's a nice one. And I said, yeah, I have that tie. And so the next day at the conference, that's the tie that I wore. Mm. And so, and every time I put on that tie, it's like putting on the full armor. You yeah. know, it's, it's really. Yeah, but the, 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 I mean, there's just a moment there, right? We, we all... Those of us that speak have these types of rituals or things you do to prepare, but I'm, I'm guessing there's just something very special every time you're putting on the tie. 
the legacy of that tie. Right. And also a lot of times I tell the story mm. of the tie. Yeah. In fact, there's a, there's a tie that I wear often when I speak and I have a picture of dad at his 80th birthday party in that tie. And wow. it's a close up of his face and this, you know, and you can see the tie, but most people are looking at his countenance because it's just glowing. Uh-huh. And I ask people what they see. And then that's how I introduced the tie. And wow. so, See, that was an intentional legacy moment, Yeah, given, given the tie. Very intentionally. So, Tom, there's a, a topic that, that's a passion for both of us. Um, and, and it's important for you listening, perhaps more important than you realize. You, you have a need to define some very essential and important words and concepts in life. And, Tom, you've, you've gone through these. And, and it was as I was preparing this, I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, I didn't even realize that the seeds of these thoughts were probably sown in my life by your dad, Zig. But the importance for every person to define success. Absolutely. Uh, one of the, there's a trick question that I'll ask an audience. I'll say, what's worse than, than not setting a goal? Right. And it's real simple. It's, it's setting the wrong goal and achieving it. Yeah. <laughs> And so when, when people talk about success, especially in their younger days, uh, it's usually about more money and more fame and more influence and the ability, you know, that that stuff does. But then I'll ask people, well, how many people do you know who in that definition, they're very successful yet, you know, they're on prescription medication and, and they go to bed lonely every night and they have broken relationships at home and their health is suffering. And it's overwhelming. So we know that that's not success. And so we don't want to lean our ladder against the wrong building, right? We want to, we want to make sure that we have the right definition of success. So, so dad had one that I loved. He said, success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. Wow. Yeah, I, I like that definition. A short maximum one for me. Utilization of the abilities God gave you. Right. The maximum utilization of the success is not anything we do compared to somebody else. Right. Um, in the parable in the scripture of the talents, you know, the talents are handed out to the servants. And when the master comes back, he doesn't say, Hey, Kevin, what did you do with those talents that I gave Bob? Right. right. <laughs> and so we've got to recognize and understand what are our God given gifts and talents? What makes us unique? What's the combination that only we have? And so I think success is understanding those gifts and talents and maximizing them. Okay. So great conversation around success. And then to move beyond success, what's the, the, the gap between success and legacy as you see it? It's Yeah, so there's significance. Yeah. It's kind of in the middle. Yeah. Uh, so we go from success to significance. Success is about what you get for yourself, who you become, Significance to me is when you help someone else be, do, or have more than they thought possible. Wow. Say that again. That is a great definition of success. Significance. Significance is when you help someone else be, do, or have more than they, th- than they thought possible. Yeah. So s- significance is kind of outward focused. Absolutely. I mean, s- success is too, but a lot of times, you know, it's who we're becoming on the journey that makes us successful. Then we go to that higher plane of, of significance when we're helping other people. Right. Yeah, the way I say it, Tommy, you, you can have success on your own, but to really do something of significance always involves others. 
you, you just can't be significant in isolation. Right. And the good news is, is that if, if, if significance is your goal, then success is usually part of the package. Right. Right. Because when you think about it, one of my mentors and friends, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, uh, he's got this little thing. He says that, you know, when we solve problems, we're often rewarded with certificates of appreciation. We call that money. And then he says, God's never happier with his children than when they're solving the problems of his other children. Mm. And that's another way to look at significance. We're solving the problems of God's children. We're helping someone else be, do, or have more than they thought possible. So, And, and these concepts we're talking about, success, significance, legacy, they apply equally to business, leadership, and life, right? Absolutely. One of the concepts when I go into corporate America and teach and, do, and work with big companies is I have this thing called dream alignment. And dream alignment, you know, is when as a leader, as a manager, as somebody who's helping direct an organization, I need to know what the dreams of my people are. So if I've got four or five people on my team, when I know what their dreams are, what do they want to become? What do they want to do? What do they want to have? Where do they want to go? When I know their dream and then I help them get their dream, that's called dream alignment. Because usually dreams take time and money. And so the better, so the better they do in their job, the faster they get their dream. So, Kevin, if I know what your dream is, and I'm equipping you to go get it, and that's what you find at work, you're not working for a paycheck anymore. You're working for a dream, right? And that changes the relationship. It changes everything. And usually, the dream is not giving you, you know, the way you get there isn't me giving you more money. The way we get there is is equipping you to get your dream. Yeah. Right. All right. So. Tom, a, a couple of questions I want to ask related to your dad. One, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, you heard your dad so many times because he started taking you with him when you were just a, a young lad. Of all of the things you learned from your dad, what's what's one or two that impacted you most? Well, the number one lesson, and I talk about this often, the number one lesson that I learned from dad is your input. You just make an intentional decision to control your input. Dad's quote that I love that really impacted me the most was you are what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. And you can change what you are and you can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. And then he'd say, Hey, if you don't like where you are, fantastic. You can change. You've just got to change the input. Your input determines your outlook. Your outlook determines your output and your output determines your outcome. So input and output are directly related. So I took all that concept and I put it into a little quote that I could remember easier, which is what you feed your mind determines your appetite. Hmm. So what we put in determines what we want. And of course, I mean, I wish I was the genius who thought of all this, but this is as old as scripture. So I'm, I give that quote in Atlanta, what you feed your mind determines your appetite. And this lady in the back row stands up and she yells, that's just like NASCAR. <laughs> and of course you were thinking NASCAR, weren't you? Uh, and what she, what she said, I said, explain that. And she said, well, you go around a track 185 miles an hour in NASCAR and your eyes have to focus where you want the car to go hmm. at that speed. 
So this is what she meant. She said, she said, you know, at 185 miles an hour, if your eyes glance at the wall, your hands will make an involuntary micro movement to follow the, your eyes because that's what they do. And at that speed, you'll hit the wall. Wow. And so in life, the challenge is this. What we usually say is don't eat that cheesecake. Don't sit on the couch all day and don't say that nasty, rude thing to that person. And so what do we do? We eat the cheesecake, we sit on the couch all day, and we say the thing we shouldn't have said. What we, the input that we should be giving ourselves, self-talk, and what we should be reading and listening to should be, man, I love salad. You know, I love vegetables. I love the healthy stuff. And I've got so much to do today. I'm just grateful I got all the energy to go get it done. It's going to be an amazing day. And I love speaking words of hope and encouragement and truth and love and everybody I come across because when I speak those words out, I hear myself and that changes who I am in the process. Right. Right. And so the instructions that we give ourselves and what we allow to come in is how we're going to actually behave and whatever we focus on, that's what we're going to want. And the other illustration that I give is if you had your 16, 17 year old princess, your little girl, right? 17 years old, the light of your life. Maybe it's a niece if you don't have, or maybe you haven't gotten there in age. If her boyfriend shows up at the house an hour early and sits in his car just waiting and you sneak around the back of the car to see what's going on after 30 minutes and you see him on the cell phone, on a smartphone looking at porn, you're not letting him go out with your child. There's no way. Our brain, that's the way our brain works. So what we put in, what we focus on, what we think, that's what we end up doing. And so we put the good stuff in. That was the number one lesson that I learned from dad. Hmm. All right. Now, I'm sure because Zig had a uh, Rolodex of great friends who were also folks that were influencers. Who's, who's someone that was a friend of your father that contributed into your life, spoke into your life, and left a deposit? Oh. Well, uh, Uncle Bernie. Uh, dad's best friend for since 1965. Wow. So we call him Uncle Bernie. He's not really an uncle. He's adopted. Uh-huh. Uh, he and Rabbi Lappin were friends, and so I stay in touch with Rabbi Lappin. Uh, a lot of dad's contemporaries have moved on, right? They've graduated. Uh, and so, but the reality is, is that no matter where I go in the world, somebody will come up to me. And they've been educated at Automobile University, listening to all the dad stuff. Yeah. And they pour it in. So it's like I got friends and relatives wherever I go. Yeah, everybody has a Zig story, don't they? They do. Everywhere you go, you hear a Zig story. So what else is a fun encounter that the pursuit of purpose has opened for you? First off, you get travel the world and you hear these Zig stories. What else, Tom? Well, I'll just tell you a sequence of events um, that's that when you look at it, is, is kind of crazy. So we had a, uh, uh, this, this lady comes to our Ziggler Legacy certification from Darwin, South Africa. I'm sorry, from Darwin, Australia. And just an amazing lady. I mean, dynamite and everything else. And she, uh, at the end of graduation, she stands up and she breaks down in tears. And she was somebody who was intimidating the whole room, not from a, 
you know, and overpowering, but just from, you know, charismatic and loving and kind and a competency and just meant for this. I mean, she was there and she said, you know, I almost didn't come. Six months ago, I was in my company and I was up for a new job position, which was going to allow me to speak and train. And in front of my peers, my boss said that I didn't have the personality or the skills and I would never be effective in front of the room. Wow. <laughs> and so she got crushed but she made a decision anyway and she came and that just, that rubbed me Texas wrong and you don't want to make Texas wrong. Right. And so I got up and I said, Mahongo, this is unbelievable. I can't believe anybody would say that, especially to you. I'm going to come to Australia and we're going to, we're going to do a program together. So I go over there about a year and a half later and it's awesome. And now she's full-time speaking, winning all these awards. She's got her own training company. And on that trip, uh, I had the thought, you know, somebody in Melbourne, Australia asked me the question. It wasn't her group, but it was another one that I was there for. And the guy said, what's the fastest way to success? And I answered him just off the tip of my tongue. The fastest way is to replace bad habits with good habits. Mm. And so I coined that phrase and I've been doing a program based on that for the last two and a half years. And the whole book that I've written that's coming out next year is based on that concept and so because that man gave her bad news, she came to the United States, lit up our place. I made a commitment to her to go speak, which ended up giving me the foundation for the book. Now she's got a whole new business venture, and I'm going in a different direction. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's what's fun about what we do because dad was never, he never taught be problem focused. He always taught be solution focused. Mm -hmm. And the lady's name is Mahongo from Buelo. She's originally from Africa. And because she had enough in her from her parents and her husband and from other things to reject the voice of the world that said you can't do it, because she had enough of God in her mm -hmm. and she listened to his voice and not the world's voice, she came anyway. Wow. And that's what I get excited about because of so many people we come across at Ziegler, they just need somebody to unleash them, to untap them, to give them permission to go and do it. And I have to tell you, it, you've got two choices. You can listen to what the world says about you or what you say about yourself, or you can go and see what the creator of the universe says about you. Mm. And who are you going to believe? And how many times has the creator been wrong? I think that's zero. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Tom, you you just talked about going to Australia. You have this unique vantage point in, in that you work with leaders from all around the world. How global is the pursuit of purpose in business? You know, um, I think there's a lot of uh, lip service given to it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's justification. And then people uh, look their mortality. If you live long enough you know, before you're taken, you look your mortality in the, in the mirror and you realize, wait a second, I've got another generation coming behind me. I got to quit. And so you get more legacy purpose centered and then it gets really serious. Um, and people make a decision at that point to either shut it down and just ignore it or to dig into it. And so my, my concept is dig into it early. Mm. Right. Make it part of that thread because it's like leaving that diary one one sentence a day. Right. If you build a legacy, like one of the things that I teach is I, I say, hey, what are the words of your family? Yeah. 
Right? What are the words you want your family to be known about, be known for? You know, is it is it courage or love or kindness or you know, ours was hope and uh, and persistent consistency and character and integrity. And then, what if you use those words every day when you, as you spoke to your kids? Mm. You know, that's how you build a legacy. Yeah. And everyone listening is building a legacy. That's right. Everyone on the planet leaves a legacy. As you've said, some leave it by design, some leave it by default, but everyone's leaving a legacy. So for folks that are struggling with their legacy right now, what hope would you give them? For folks, Tom, they're folks that are looking and they're, they're saying, you know, uh, if my life ended today, this is not the legacy I'd want to leave. Right. I hope it doesn't end because this isn't it. Well, what's the hope for somebody to, to rewrite their legacy from this day forward? I believe 100 percent what dad said, that your, your past is important only because it brought you to where you are today. And your past is not near as important as how you see your future. Mm. What you can do today immediately is you can envision the legacy that you want to leave. Yeah. What do you want people to say about you and your family and what you've done and how you've made decisions and how you've carried your life out? And then you can start building that legacy immediately. You can start seeing that picture and believing it and then, and then putting the right input in. And so the reason, you know, in, in the book I talk about, uh, you know, the number one lesson that dad taught me was input, and that's mental, right? It's a choice to put the right stuff in. And so on the, the first thing that we focus on is our mental life, and then we go to our spiritual life second. And I do it, uh, I kind of cheat. I, I actually say we choose the right input, and then we choose spiritual inputs, the right input. And so what is spiritual input? It's our character and integrity and love, kindness, compassion, gentleness, all the things that make us the right kind of person, who we want to become. And so as somebody who's going to say, I'm going to leave a legacy, what do you want your legacy to be? What, what are the words that people are going to say behind your back? And then what are the things and choices you can make today that will build you into that kind of person? What's the end? It starts with the input. So you can start immediately and there's still time. Andy Andrews, we had him on a, a webcast one time. I said, you know, what do you tell somebody who's completely hopeless? Hopeless. And he said, well, the fact that you're still alive means you haven't fulfilled your purpose. There you go. That's pretty cool. That is. That is. As uh, a friend of mine put it, as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. That's right. So, Tom, is it, thanks for joining us. Is there something else you'd like to say or share before we conclude this conversation that makes it whole for you? Sure. I read an article by Fred Smith Jr., and he really talked about what purpose is. So there's three ways you can know that you're living your purpose. Three things. And I've never heard it so succinct. Number one is have a vibrant relationship with the source of your gifts and talents. It's actually know the source of your gifts and talents. So to me, it means, wait a second, I got to have a relationship with God and I've got to recognize that God's given me gifts and talents. So that requires some gratitude. I've got to have a relationship and there's got to be some gratitude in it. Number two is you work on your gifts and talents with grit. Okay. Work on your gifts and talents with grit. 
grit and grit is that, you know, persistent consistency, that discipline. I've been knocked out a hundred times. I get up 101. The world says you'll never do it. You say, watch me. Too many people, they work with grit on things that aren't their gifts and talents. Right. And so they never get the results that they were meant to get. If, if, if I was born on a scale of one to 10 as a one, when it comes to singing, I could probably raise my gift level, my talent level up to a three or four, and that's about it. So what is it that God's given you that you can work on? And then number three is you share your gifts and talents with love and humility. You give it away. You share it. And that's what dad did. So the litmus test is how did dad live his life? Man, he had that relationship, and he was the most grateful human being I ever met. And then nobody worked harder on their gifts and talents than dad. And when he got on stage or when he was with people, he was give, 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 give. Gave it away. And you're blessed to continue that legacy now, Tom. I am. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Uh, It's a blessing to be able to work with people all over the world to help them transform into the person God created them to become. So for people wanting to to know how to get connected with everything Ziggler, where do they go? Ziggler.com is our website. And I do something kind of kind of crazy. I give my email address. It's Tom at Ziggler.com. All right. That's Tom at Ziggler.com. It's a hard one to remember, I know. Tom, thank you. This this has just been a real joy and a delight. We appreciate you joining us. All right. Thank you so much, Kevin. Hey, Tom, thanks for joining us today. What a rich conversation, and uh, I just appreciate your generosity. So here are three things that are lingering in my mind as I I think back on this conversation that that we just had. Uh, Number one, I love Tom's definition of, of talking about how to avoid regret in life. Give it all you've got and keep your eyes open to confirm the door, because There may be another opportunity, but don't live in regret. Don't wonder what might have been. Give it all you got. Go for it. Number two, I love this whole idea, and it's so critical to so much of life, that the way you transform your life is one small choice at a time, and habits are nothing more than a series of small choices that we make on a continual basis. And then I want to leave you with the the challenge that Tom and I discussed. How do you define success? Well, and take it further, success, significance, and legacy. Defining success is so important because if you don't come up with your definition, you will be pursuing someone else's. And I love the definition Tom shared that he had gotten from his dad, Zig. Success is the maximum utilization of the abilities God gave you. Hey, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. You're about to hear more about the Extraordinary Experiment. We would love to talk to you about that and see how we can bring that into your organization or company. And until we connect again, I want to encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Remember, if you ever think that your work could be less ordinary, there's not much between you and something extraordinary. Just 13 weeks and a bold experiment. Find out more at kevindmonroe.com slash extraordinary.